This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe, the number is 94198377. You've been listening to the sand. You could never understand. Too long have our lives been narrowed and restricted by the limits of civilization. The dormant capacities latent in our womanhood have seldom had a chance of being awakened. The cycle allows us, in a perfectly womanly, for I like that word better than ladylike, for it betokens something grander and nobler, in a perfectly womanly manner, to let ourselves go. Bring that heart rate down. Stop pushing so hard. Have a look outside. It is the most spectacular Monday morning here in springtime Melbourne. The fuzz is on elm trees. The daffodils and the jonquils are up knee-high in Fitzroy Garden. And along for the show today, here on the Yarrabug Radio Show 3CR, Faith, good morning. Good morning, Val. And a special guest this morning who just wandered in off Smith Street. Alan, good morning. Good morning to you. A happy cyclist, Alan describes himself as. <laughs> I struggle to find an unhappy one sometimes, Alan, I've got to say. <laughs> that quote came this morning. Faith, you're going to rue giving me that book, actually. There are three <laughs> quotes on every page. And yes. that came from N.G. Bacon, who was um, a subscriber and ran a women's cycling magazine in 1890. And that was that book, Revolution. That was The it. changes made to British society by the uh, advent of the bicycle. And well, uh, even in 1890, ladylike was considered a little bit of a... Yes. Yes, <laughs> which keeps up to the current day. <laughs> we'll have a show full of news and events. Many thanks to Amy Goodman and Democracy Now. Well worth subscribing to any public radio station in your land. Faith, a springtime bike moment? Um, It, it was a bit of a springtime one. I... On the way in through Edinburgh Gardens, the uh, detour has been reopened. Which, uh, and I had one of those little moments where the the rider immediately in front of me, as you approach from the north, turned left, as we've all been wont to do for the last three months. Yes, and I saw it was open, so I went straight through. 
And further down the path, at the point where if you'd taken the detour, you could re-enter, yep. he came sailing in. So, <laughs> Much joy. It must have been Wednesday morning it was open. They were pulling the last of the concrete blocks up the top as I rode up and mm-hmm. then cleaned the rest of the bottom. So lovely new surface. You know, not bad. Okay, all right. I know. Oh, no, <laughs> no, it was just a... There's oh. been, there's, Alan, there's been a path closed. One of the lovely parts of the ride through Edinburgh Gardens has been closed. So they've done a water main, I think, down through there into the Fitzroy Pool. And so one of the lovely paths between all the jacaranda trees has been shut down. The other path is very good. Um, and yeah. um, But it was open during the week, so it would be full of cyclists I screaming up and down it. That means going all the way from the reservoir down to the MCG. It is that's, too. That's why it's been uh, – yeah. it's everywhere. It's still in Napier Street. I know, still, yeah. I know. That other detour, which I like so well now, <laughs> all the cyclists stick on the footpath going to town, all the other oh, people going the back way use the road. <laughs> it's quite distracting. You're not sure which way they're going to come sometimes. <laughs> Alan, you got a bike moment to share with us? Um, well, I, I left from home after 7 o'clock, which is always a bad move. Um, everyone's chilled before 7 o'clock, I've noticed, but after 7 o'clock, they're all in a hurry. So uh, I got a cut-off twice uh, of cars passing me immediately before an intersection and then turning left. It's quite amazing. Still. Classics. They're almost predictable. I think they are, actually. There's no reason to be surprised or angry because you see it all the time. One thing you don't see much anymore, and as I walked back from the park this morning, was a spick and span, brand new fixie and riding it fixed geared too. Yeah. Shorts on, lock in the back yeah. pocket, very old, new the, and clean. Yeah. I mean, the chain was so clean, the sun was nearly glistening off it. I presume the young man's not going to listen. I think your chain was just a fraction too tight. I could just hear that tinkle, tinkle <laughs> of the, a chain sort of just rubbing too tightly against the, the bearings. This is not a bike moment. This is probably a spring moment. My neighbour's cat, I think, I'm not sure whether the cat ran away or absconded or anyway, the next door neighbour's cat disappeared. And it's probably taken about two years on Saturday morning. I saw a pair of silver eyes have come back to the garden to nest. So the cat's gone and birds that were used to be there are now yep. coming back. back. I know it's not a bike moment, but it's pretty close. It's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it wouldn't be a big stretch. <laughs> ah, Faith, how do we lead off the news? How do we lead off the news? Should we, should we just look at some... Happier things happier first? Happier things locally. Okay, Amanda Spratt uh, got the silver medal in the World uh, Road Championships over the weekend. Ran second to... Uh, um, Amanda van der Bergen, who was the Olympic gold medal as well, but uh, and she won the race riding off from the group actually. Forty kilometres. Dutch woman just rode away from them. Yeah, so, and the, the entire Dutch team. Yeah, they're doing so well. A great effort. Um, but um, yeah, a wonderful effort. Um, you won't be able to go quite so fast around Yarra. <laughs> 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 because um, there's a, a trial of 30 kilometres per hour speed limits in some quiet residential streets of Yarra uh, that's been creating an awful, uh, amazing stir. 
considering what it is, but uh, that trial's actually started now. It'll run for 12 months. It takes place in residential streets in the areas bound by Alexandra Parade, Hoddle Street, Johnson and Nicholson Street, excluding Brunswick and Smith Streets. And uh, those streets currently have a 40 kilometre per hour speed limit, as does much of Yarra and Moreland. Um, 40 kilometres per hour is the speed at which you can maximise the volume of traffic, car traffic on a road. And 30 kilometres an hour is the speed that you can maximize should lower it to safety. to maximise safety. It's uh, the point at which almost no one will die. No, and the an injuries from 40, if you hit at 40 or hit at 30, the injuries will much be more or less. Yeah. It's um, it's not as big a leap as this. Yarra ran this as a program up in North Fitzroy last year yep. as part of one of their have your say in the local areas. Yep. So it's not as if they're springing this out of anywhere. No, This no. has been trialled and I think most people would accept that in residential streets you shouldn't really be getting up to 30 kilometres an hour anyway. No, these are the streets people live in yeah. and um, travel along and especially, you know, if you're – Kids are getting to and from school on their bikes or by foot. Um, or your cats are running across the road. Yep, yep, and your dog's chasing the cat. Um, it's uh, Most of the outcry over it does seem to come not from residents on the streets. That's, you know, when you look at uh, the news no. items. That's, uh, and, so. I th- and I think one of the other things which Yarra used in North Fitzroy, and I'm not sure if they're using on this project, is a couple of traffic calming Um, infrastructure, some that makes it... There are a couple of them down. There are a few up still up in North Fitzroy, a couple down in Paran too, which limits the only one car can go through a choke choke point, so it it actually calms everybody down. Yeah, because those streets they use those on were also very wide, which Mm. tends to uh, make uh, speeding attractive. Yeah, cool. So that starts started has already just started and uh, runs for the next twelve months. There you go. Now you might have might have done it. We should just say that it'll run for twelve months. Yep. And Yarra is one of those people who put it in. People hate it. They'll take it out. Yeah, and that's part of that whole thing. Um, if you've been worried about riding to work and not being able to claim TAC for running into a stationary car which was the case, unless you were on your way to work, that law got changed in the Victorian legislature last week. So you are now eligible to claim compensation from TAC for running into a stationary car. And the interesting thing is they're backdating this to July 2014. So if you've been injured and had your claim knocked back by TAC because of this technicality last four years, you can actually now put a claim in. That's good news. And that law change came from just a little bit of activism from yep. two people, actually, I might say. Yeah, uh, very effective. Yep. Um, overseas, uh, Dutch cyclists are now facing a ban on mobile phone use. So uh, that takes place from July. And uh, the issue in the Netherlands, people have always used their phones a lot while cycling in the Netherlands, but they weren't smartphones. They were so they were talking, um, but the issue seems to be increasingly that people are looking down at the phone. Um, so there's already a, a ban for drivers to on uh, they have to use hands-free phones, but um, now that will be extended to cyclists as well. 
couldn't be a bad thing. We'll be back with a few more news items events just after this message. You might have to keep going, Faith. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep going. I'll, I'll still on local infrastructure before we get into other things. Um. The we we had a guest a few months ago, John, talking about the uh, level crossing removal and how it would affect the Upfields uh, bike path or opportunities to extend that, and uh, how the level crossing removal authority weren't living up to the wording in um, their own policy with respect to providing infrastructure for cyclists. So. The Buckley Street level crossing has removal has been going on in Essendon um, and Jenica Brook has provided a really good analysis of the outcome there, which is not good for cyclists. Um, it's a, a trench style crossing, so the road has gone underneath the rail oh. and... Um, there's no dedicated bike lane. There's no space on the road for cyclists. So, uh, and then the idea from the level crossing removal authority is that cyclists would use the service roads, but it involves a detour. And then the point at which you get from the service roads onto connecting infrastructure are quite dangerous and badly thought out. So I'll post a link up in with the uh, podcast but Jenica's done a really good analysis both of a cyclist using the actual new road and a cyclist trying to use the service roads, which is what um, the Level Crossing Removal Authority are suggesting they should do. What a boondog. It's a huge – and the inter- the thing is Jenica brought all this. There was um, feedback to yeah. the, before all this was done. Yep. Um, and – Jenica also tried to get Bicycle Network involved and um, wrote to the ministers and the Level Crossing Removal Authority with her concerns um, about this and it's just gone ahead and none of that's been taken on board. It's a really, really, really bad design. Yeah, and this is infrastructure at a grassroots level. We've already got the right plan for it, we just don't follow it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and astonishing when you're spending so much money, like part of the solution for cyclists is to use the pedestrian access and take their bikes upstairs. Yeah. So, and put in a rail, you know, those rails that you can push well, yeah. your bike up, unless it's got groceries and kids and, you know, anything else useful on it. A normal bike. Yeah. Um, so you, when you consider the cost of these projects and the amount of money being spent and the solution for cyclists is a little ramp. <laughs> we will be back after this message. Oh, no, we won't. No, we won't. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, we'll get on to uh, the main news item, I guess, for this week for a lot of cyclists was um, the inquest for Mike into the death of Mike Hall was held in Canberra from Monday until Wednesday. It's been uh, 17 months since Mike Hall um, was killed while taking part in the inaugural Indian Pacific wheel race. 
and uh, there was a coronial inquest in Canberra um, the first three days of this week examining the circumstances around his death, which his partner came over from the UK, as did his mother. Um, There were representatives from different cycling organisations there, including Cycle Alliance and also... um, Jesse Carlson, Sarah Hammond from um, the organisers of the Indian Pacific Wheel Race were there. And I'm not going to go into enormous detail about the three days of the inquest. There are some very um, (laughs) – the the media's take on what happened at the inquest was interesting um, and not very – it just seemed to focus on certain elements and not didn't include a lot of the other information that came out from other organisations. So first up, I would suggest if you want a really detailed three-day account, um, Cycle have published on their website notes from each of the three days, exactly what was covered. Uh, Bicycling Australia have also got a good write-up and... Um, there might be a couple of others out there. If I find them, I'll link to them. The um, inquest really seemed to focus on the issue of uh, Mark Hall's visibility, while at the same time, certainly the police, the Australian Federal Police who were investigating the accident did. The Australian Federal Police, on their website, they say um, there's a there's a report from an officer investigating an accident and he speaks on uh, the importance of uh, their investigation. And I'll quote from that. The family will be searching for answers. That's why it's so important for us to piece together as much information from the scene about the circumstances of the crash. We owe it to them to present the fullest possible picture of exactly what happened. Um. When it comes to a road fatality, you only have one shot at the investigation and to gather as much evidence as you can from the scene. It's so important to get it right. And I think what most people following the inquest found shocking was that the police evidence um, focused very much on the issue of how visible was my call. And... For those who've been following the race and watching footage and photos every day, I think um, we all felt pretty sure of that answer. Whereas, um, you know, the police investigation didn't retain his clothing or any of the reflective elements. The the bag with reflective elements was uh, lost. His clothing was destroyed. Um, So that sort of set the tone on the first day for... um, so, you know, a lot of people, It's it's been a really hard three days to um, see an investigation take being presented that... In that direction. In that direction. Yeah. And, um, and has left, you know, a pretty bad feeling, I think, for a lot of cyclists following it. Because one thing you think about is this inquest had quite a lot of attention because yep. of who Michael was. But, um, you know, you think, well, what happens when it's Joe Blow? Or one of us, and there's not all this attention, no, you know, and directed at it. Yeah. yeah. Um. So the findings will be made in January. So I don't. I won't go into great detail about uh, 
other right. aspects of it here. But I thought I would just uh, close with something. Michael's mother, Patricia, was at the uh, inquest. Um, and she uh, released a statement on Facebook shortly afterwards. The, um, the driver who hit Michael was not asked to take the stand because he was considered a very vulnerable witness, um, which from the little I read about him, I think was probably correct. Correct. Um, but here is Patricia Hall's statement. I came halfway across the world for my boy. I attended the inquest and sat for three days listening to the evidence. I knew whatever the findings will be that I have to live with it. There is no blame, no anger and no recriminations. I went for my son who always asked people to be kind to each other and have empathy. I saw a young lad with fear in his eyes, with sorrow in his heart and I took him in my arms and held him tight as he sobbed that he was sorry for what he had done. I hugged him and his girlfriend, told him I forgave him and asked him to try to move on and find a way forward to look after his young family and to have a good life. I came to Australia to find answers and I did. I found the answer. All around in the courtroom I saw destructive anger that is negative. I saw people so wrapped up in their own need that it destroyed what my son stood for. But I also saw incredible steadfastness and the ability to reach out and have compassion. I came away with clarity. I had done what Mike would have done. I forgave. Spring into Gardening is back this October. Hosted by Gardening Australia's Costa Georgiatis, celebrating sustainability and all things green for one day only. Featuring free workshops and demonstrations, hands-on kids' activities and market stalls to help with planting and preparing your garden for summer. Spring into Gardening, Sunday, October the 14th at Victoria Gardens, Paran. Go to stonington.vic.gov.au for more details. A 3CR supporter. Recent reporting paints a picture of surging road deaths and falling, failing safety strategies for cyclists. The Australian Automobile Association's benchmarking report records 1,222 road deaths in the year ending June 2018. And cycling deaths in particular remain stubbornly high, even as average speeds, which affect all road deaths, continue to decline. If cars are much safer than they were 25 years ago, why are cyclist deaths increasing by 25 the previous year to 45 the past year? The stats highlight, um, sorry, of the, ultim- of the ultimately road, of the untimely road deaths, the AAA reports, 1,100 are due to how drivers are driving. In Australia, Drivers are to blame for at least 79% of accidents with cyclists and roughly 85% of reported cyclist casualty crashes involve another vehicle, not a bike or a pedestrian. Driver distraction accounts for roughly 25% of accidents. These stats highlight a clear pattern of deadly harm. Drivers hitting people because of how they are driving is 90% of the problem on our roads. This is the head of the um, Australian Automobile Association. 
Road trauma currently costs the national economy more than $29 million annually, and the observed lack of progress reflects Australia's uncoordinated and disorganised approach to road safety. The social and human cost of these deaths and injuries is immeasurable. However, the cost to the budget and the economy are well understood, which is why the AMA will continue to call on the federal government to reinstate federal oversight of road safety data collection and the strategy's implementation. Disorganised. Yep. Immovable. Uncoordinated. Narrow in their view. <laughs> well, it struck me while you were reading that people yeah. always like to talk about Australia was one of the leaders to get compulsory seat belts and uh, drink driving laws and to bring in uh, all these safety things. But since then, all you know, people now know what makes people yeah. safe on the roads. But we haven't. We're not doing those things. And this is not some aberration. The national average for cyclists is about twenty-eight. If you take it over six or seven years, this is a gradual increase. Yeah. All else being equal, this is actually just an increase. And the point is, it's driver inattention. Yeah. That what happens to it over and over again. Anyway. <laughs> and it's interesting. I mean, they even highlight the whole things. It's how do you fix these things? One is the insurance policies. One is speed limits. They're the big things. And changing expectations. True. For what it means when you're sitting behind the wheel of a car. Have we got some joyful, happy bicycle things to do? We have. (laughs) (laughs) Ride to work day's coming up. (laughs) Only if you love work. (laughs) Well, it's not compulsory to go to work. But what I what took my eye was We Cycle, one of our favourite places uh, in the in Northcote, uh, who uh, fix up old bikes and give them to refugees and students and that. Their right to work celebration is going to be a bit different this year, and I think this is the way to do it. It's going to be after work, and nice. it's going to involve ice cream. There we go. On the way home. Music. So. We'll be posting up more details, but, yeah, definitely start looking at your local ride-to-work activities, and if they're not sounding as good as that, then you just need to head up the St George's bike path after work and uh, join everyone at WeCycle and join in the fun. And starting to hear a lot of lovely news from people about WeCycles. WeCycles, awesome. And, you know, you hear it, which is great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Lovely. And... uh, there's a couple of other things coming up. Um, Dirty Deeds Cup Day, which uh, will be uh, a fun uh, soccer cross event. And, oh, the other news this week was the extension to the Mullum Mullum Trail has opened. I know. Yes. <laughs> have to go out and check that out because then you can link up a whole, like I wanted to link the Yarra Trail and the Kurnong yep. Trails without riding down Springvale Road. So I can do that now. There we go. My first place when I was, well, I wasn't born there, but raised till I was about 11 or 12, at the end of the backyard was the Mullum Mullum Creek. <laughs> so every time I do that right, I can't, I'd look, I'd look up at the tower in Gumps and go, ooh, there we go. <laughs> and that's all we have time for today. Uh, thank you very much, Alan, for joining us in the studio. <laughs>
And uh, 3CR relies on the support of our listeners to keep on the air. So if you can donate or would like to subscribe to the station, you can do that at 3cr.org.au or dial 94798377. Coming up next is... Jailbreak. a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au.